Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Jeff Norcross. You can't find a more optimistic and possibly delusional example of water allocation in a dry climate than the Colorado River Basin. A hundred years ago, the government decided how much water will go to the seven states that rely on the Colorado. It turned out to be exceptionally bad math. Ignoring the science at the time, the allocators divided up the water based on the assumption that the Colorado could provide about 20 million acre-feet of water per year. It's actually more like 12. Adele Amos is a law professor and the executive director of the Environment Initiative at the University of Oregon. And we're going to talk with her about a compromise among the states along the Colorado that's in place right now, and if there could be some lessons for the Klamath River in Southern Oregon and Northern California. Adele Amos, welcome to Think Out Loud. Thank you for having me. Do you see similarities between the Colorado River Compact of 1922 that divided up that river and the way the Klamath is allocated or maybe misallocated? Um, there are Right. There are similarities and differences um, between the Colorado and the Klamath. Um, there is a compact. We have an interstate compact on the um, Klamath River between uh, California and Oregon. But that compact does not designate volumes the way that the um, compact, the interstate compact um, on the Colorado designated volumes. And it turns out that that, that having those numbers associated with um, how states will share amongst the state um, ended up being a pretty big driver in terms of um, what got the lower basin states to the table in this most recent effort to conserve water on the Colorado. What did they use on the Klamath if not actual numbers? Um, it's it's just an agreement between the state um, and um, and it doesn't provide precise deliveries um, at the um, at the at the border. Um, the mechanism that we have in in Oregon on the Klamath that starts to get at numbers is associated with the state's Klamath Basin adjudication, the general stream adjudication that the state of Oregon has initiated. And so through that process, we are in the we are on our way to having numbers associated with water deliveries, at least for the water users pre-1909 that are in Oregon. And that does provide a really powerful um, driver to, to talk about um, ways to be a framework in which to talk about collaboration to um, to save water in the system. One of the things that's similar about the Colorado and the Klamath is a story of um, uh, you know, optimism, I guess, um, over-promising <laughs> yeah. of water amounts. Um, and, and that was before we even understood the way in which drought was going to be exacerbated by climate change. So in both basins, you know, the, the future is one that involves significantly less water. Um, and so the need to, to look at ways to use less water um, in an overpromised environment are really profound. How does that happen? How does a body of water get overpromised? Over um, it, it's the difference. Um, I teach water law here at the University of Oregon, and um, there's always this sort of amazing moment uh, when we talk about paper water and wet water, <laughs> which yeah. is a funny, which is a funny term. Not until I, I became a water lawyer did I just did I use the phrase wet water. Um, but um, it's you know it's a process of allocating um, water rights and interests in water on paper that <laughs> that don't correlate with the 
with hydrology. And, you know, on the Colorado, um, it, you know, it was also that negotiation historically, that negotiation around the Colorado occurred at an abnormally wet hydrologic period in the record. And so, it, you know, the irony was there may have been some data that indicated there was more water in the system. But if you look over the arc of the hydrologic record, that was this really abnormally wet period. So how we ended up um, allocating that water <laughs> during an abnormally wet period um, is, you know, has has led to much of the trouble today. But the Klamath is similarly, similarly over allocated, you know, layers of promises made to different, um, you know, to different interests, um, all of which have, you know, deep claims to the water. Um, and the water is really essential to carrying out um, you know, the uses. Yeah, so. yeah. And there is now this agreement on the Colorado. It was announced in May. Some states have agreed to take less water, at least for now. Yes. Uh, might there be some lessons for the Klamath? Um, the, you know, there are. The um, the lower basin states, the Colorado is divided into an upper basin and a lower basin. And because of the risk of of um, reaching what's known as dead pool in the reservoirs um, that regulate the water between the upper and lower basin. Dead pool is when the water level drops below the um, infrastructure in the dam to move the water into the lower basin. So the drought conditions are, are you know, quite significant in the Colorado River Basin. Um, because of those um, dynamics, you know, the lower base, the Department of Interior that manages those reservoirs was put in a situation where they had to begin to develop options uh, about what to do uh, to avoid getting to Deadpool. And it was really the, you know, the the impetus of the department saying, we are planning to do X, Y, and Z, or these are the alternative things that we might do in response to this that really motivated the lower basin states to come together and, and come up with this, um, you know, negotiated agreement about using um, less water in the system. And then, you know, that came along at a time where there were dollars being allocated. It was mentioned in the previous um, uh, segments that you had, dollars being allocated through the bipartisan infrastructure legislation and the Inflation Reduction Act that could, you know, provide funding for these kinds of water saving, you know, efforts. Um, and so certainly, you know, uh, many folks believe that in 2010, we were in a similar situation in the Klamath Basin and a, uh, a similar some, a similar kind of agreement was negotiated. That agreement was dependent upon Congress passing legislation that would fund it. And that never happened. That mm. agreement expired in 2015. Um, and so, you know, we've been there once in the Klamath where um, the motivation was significant enough that, you know, the parties came together. Um, and the parts of that agreement from 2010 persist, um, but the overall um, Klamath Basin Restoration Agreement um, was not funded. Um, this deal on the Colorado will have some funding associated with it. And those dollars, a lot of those dollars have have already been um, um are are moving through the funding streams that are associated with the BIL and the IRA, um, which is great. But like the Klamath deal, you know, the Colorado deal is just until 2026. Right. 
And so it is time limited in the same way. So it does not many commentators and researchers, you know, say, yes, we're benefiting from a from a wet year where some pressure came off the Colorado River. But by 2026, we could be right back at the same conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of water savings that are um, uh, accounted for during this for these next three years. Uh, most most folks, it's not enough to to be where we need to be by 2026. You had mentioned the sorry state of the reservoirs on the Colorado, uh, and it reminds me that you know there are reservoirs on the Klamath too, but they are going to empty because we're taking four dams down. Yes. D- does that affect the calcula- calculation of water allocation? Well, that's really interesting. A lot of people refer to the Klamath Basin as a flipped basin. So um, when I teach water law, I talk about how you have to draw a map of every river and you have to understand where the interests are at in every river. And this is a really good demonstration of that because those dams and reservoirs sit in the lower part of the basin. Um, And and where those dam removal projects are associated with really important um, habitat restoration areas. And those reservoirs were not, there was hydropower being generated off those dams, but those were not storage reservoirs for irrigated agriculture. Mm. The storage for irrigated agriculture is up in Klamath Falls um, at at Upper Klamath Lake and Clear Lake and Gerber River. Yeah, a critical difference. I I get that. And I also understand there's a difference between the two rivers in that the federal government is basically in charge of the Colorado. It's like the river master here through the Department of the Interior. And the feds don't have that kind of authority over the Klamath. Can you explain that difference? Yeah. the, the federal government plays a significant role in the Klamath Basin. They run the Klamath Irrigation Project, which is a the Klamath Basin Irrigation Project, which, which is a reclamation project. And so the federal government is present. Um, but the allocation of the, the water in, in the system overall, in the Klamath River system overall, outside of that irrigation project is a function of, um, you know, the state allocation system and the and the and the water rights that the federal government may hold whereas on the colorado just because of the you know the size of it the you know it's important to remember that in the klamath we're talking about two states and in the colorado we're talking about seven um you know uh 250,000 square miles in the Colorado Basin, 15,000 in the Klamath. And because of the breadth of federal infrastructure and role of the federal government and and federal legislation about the operation of those reservoirs, the Department of Interior plays a much, the Secretary of Interior plays a much more significant role in the Colorado. Should the uh, federal government be more involved in the Klamath dispute? In just a few seconds, please. Yeah, you know, that is a, that's a, topic for a much longer discussion. I'm sure there are people that would like to see that and people who who would not. Um, and I don't think at this point, um, it's a really a function of the history of the Colorado. Yeah. Adele Amos, thank you for uh, teasing this out for us. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for having me. Adele Amos is the Clayton R. Hess Professor of Law and the Executive Director for the Environment Initiative at the University of Oregon. Tomorrow on the show, we hear how the state of Oregon plans to spend nearly $700 million to expand broadband access. We'll talk with the director of the Oregon Broadband Office on what the funding will mean for the state. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on the NPR One app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thank you for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Jeff Norcross. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, 
and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. 